Will you open with me to Romans chapter 6? Romans 6 is a pretty weighty book. And I'm not going to go into great depth on it this morning. I'm just going to hit some overarching principles on Romans chapter 6, the first 15 verses or so. I want to focus on what the death of Jesus Christ means and the resurrection of Jesus Christ means. Paul, in chapter 5, writing to the book of Romans, verse 20, says, The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. Adam, our forefather in the very beginning, he sinned. He broke God's law. God said, don't eat of this tree. Don't play on the dirt pile. And what did he go do? He played on the dirt pile right away. His wife did Eve. And when that happened, God said, in the day you do that, you shall surely die. He didn't drop dead on that day, did he? No. So was God lying? No. What had happened is that Adam's relationship with God was broken. His spirit died. The part of him that was designed to rule over his flesh, his body, his emotions, his drives, it died. And like Adam, all of us are related to Adam and have his genes flowing through us and are by nature broken. That's what the Bible teaches. The world says differently, but I see nature I see relationship, I see circumstance, and obviously scripture say differently. I do not have to teach my son or daughter to do bad. They are experts at it really quickly, A, by the model that I give them, and B, by their own sinful nature. And so we have a problem. We're exceedingly broken, sinful people, but how do we know it? God said, in order to make that very evident to mankind, he introduced his law. Don't play on the dirt pile because in the day you do it, you'll die. And what do I want to go do? What do we all want to go do? I want to play on the dirt pile, don't you? Don't touch the wet paint. And what do we want to do? I want to touch the wet paint. And that's our nature, to rebel against God. And God says that that is death. And we see that expressed, that death, that happened to us, the brokenness within each one of us, it is expressed in a multitude of ways. Is it not? Some people have addiction problems. Some people have problems with their mouth. Some people, these aren't just problems. They're symptoms of what's going on in our heart. We are terminally broken and our world is suffering because of it. And so God, in his grace, entered the law into the world and said, do not lie. Do not cheat on your wife. Don't covet. Do not make idols and all these things. And what it does, as we've talked about much before, is it actually reveals who we truly are inside. The stop sign doesn't, doesn't uh, or the speed limit sign does not <clears throat> make us right. It shows us what the law is, and it shows us that we want to go faster than the speed limit, right? When the cop is there, all of a sudden, what happens? Ooh, slow down. Why? The law. 
God enters the law, it's to reveal. The law does not save. The speed limit does not save. The cop does not save. It enforces. And that's a scary thing. Now, Paul in chapter 5, verse 20 says, the law was brought in so that the trespass, our sins, might increase. In other words, we might be aware of it. But when sin increases, grace increased all the more. In other words, we became exceedingly wicked, exceedingly sinful, and guess what? God wants to save exceedingly wicked, exceedingly sinful sinners of whom I am a big one. Praise the Lord. So that, verse 21, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness. In other words, just as sin reigned in death, in other words, is that operation is happening in the world because we sin, we die. That's why people die, believe it or not. So that grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life. God wants to flip that on, on, on its heel, flip it around, and he did that through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And so he goes in, verse, in chapter 6, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that may, grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Died to sin, what does that mean? We have died to sin. And when did that happen? When did I die to sin? Because I feel like it's very much alive. Don't you? How can we live it in any longer if we're dead to it, is what he's saying. And then he explains in verse 3, what, when our sin, when we actually died to sin, what that looks like. When sin actually, we died to it, we no, it no longer has power or dominion over us. When did that happen? And he says in verse 3, he goes, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. <clears throat> we died to sin when we were baptized with Jesus Christ. Now, really quickly, we, uh, we immediately go to, when was, I, when was I dunked in water? How many of you, how many of you went to there in your mind? John chapter 1, or no, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 8. The apostle, oh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Baptist, John, he was a Baptist, if you wanted to know what denomination he was. <clears throat> he was out baptizing. And what did he say? He said, I baptize you with water, but the one who's coming after me, the one he was preparing the way for, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then Luke's gospel says, and with fire. So, the baptism that we're talking about here is not just water. It's not, that's not what he's talking about. That's a physical representation of the spiritual reality that happened when we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit came in and he said, you've sinned. The law pours down upon us and we know we've sinned. We are broken. We, when it says, do not lie, we find out I'm a liar. When it says, do not do all these things, because all these things are evil and they're contrary to God, they're contrary to the way he is. And he wants us to have life. Not to have the ultimate reality show going on forever and ever where everybody's sniping each other, killing each other, where bombs are going off everywhere in the world. He, this is not God's plan. He desires for us to have peace. 
It starts in the human heart. It can't be legislated. The law does not bring legislation. There has to be a change within the human heart. And he brought Jesus, and he paid the price of the law. And now, as we look to Jesus, and and our, our hearts are convicted over sin, I need to be saved because God's wrath is coming against the way this is. And we cry out for forgiveness. We cry out for mercy. Lord, save me. And what happens? We believe upon Jesus and we're baptized into him. God saves us because we deserve it? No. But because he loves us and he sent his son. That if we have faith in him, we are made new creations. And so what happens is when we call out to him, we too, have now died to sin with Jesus Christ. We are united with him by faith. In other words, the death that he died, we died also. We are no longer bound by that old system of the law upon us. We're no longer bound by sin. It no longer has dominion or rule over upon us. We're free. What a great thing. Don't you know that when all of us who were baptized into Christ, when we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. When we were immersed in him, we were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. And there's a reason for it. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. God's desire is not that you just experience the death, but that you would have life, new life. And he explains more of what that is. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Those two are tied together. You will not have new life unless you experience death. And I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about a surrendering of the core of your will, of your being, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You will not experience the resurrection unless you, are, you have died to yourself, unless you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, responded to God. When God says you have sinned, you say, I have sinned. When, you say, I am fa-, when he says You're, you have fallen, it speaks to the core of who we are, that pride that just wants to say, no, I am self-sufficient. I can do it. I can save myself. If I just do enough good works, all these types of things. No. God says, you're guilty. And you cry out and you say, yes, I'm guilty. Save me, Lord God, save me. And because he is gracious, because he is good and he is merciful, he says, all right, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to give you new life. I want that old person who's ruled by selfishness and sin and all those things to die. And I want the new life, the life of my son to come resurrect in your heart. You know what religion is? It's trying to do all those right things without being changed. Without having the inward work happen first. Without being born again. Trying to wear the right things, say the right things, do the right things, go through all the motions. And somehow that be acceptable to God. It's not. His son is acceptable. Jesus Christ alone. And so... He says that if you're knighted in his death, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you surrender your life to him, if you lay down your life to his lordship, if you trust upon him, 
we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. For we know that our old self, how many of you have old man there? For your old man. We know that our old self was crucified with him. Why? So that the body ruled ruled by sin might be done away with. When we identify with his resurrection, and baptism is the picture. Baptism, we're alive, we're doing what we want. We say, you know what? You take over my life. I surrender. I give up. Save me. And you go down into the water. That's a picture that Paul's drawing here of us identifying with the death, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. No longer my will, but your will. You're on the cross. You're crucified with Christ, right? You die. How many of you really like that part? Giving up your will, your plans, what you want, your way, saying that you're wrong, all those wonderful things. It strikes at the core of who we are. That's what crucifixion is. Our old self was crucified so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That, how many of you have rendered powerless where it says done, done away with? That's what that means. So that the body of sin might be rendered powerless. Do you realize how revolutionary that is? When you put your faith in Jesus Christ spiritually, you have now gone from this old system under the law to where you can't help but continue on to sin and do this. That's, that's, you're ruled by your body. Now, You have been changed into a new creation. God's made you a new creation, and he's raising you up so now that you have power over that old body. It is rendered powerless. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you feel like it's rendered powerless? How many of you reckon in your heart that it is? And that's what he's driving at here. The desire that our old life would be rendered powerless. Rendered powerless. Done away with. Colossians takes the view of the old life is cut away. The old man is cut away. That Christ, when we were baptized with him, the old life is gone. Isn't that powerful? that we can have freedom from it. We do have freedom from it. The old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. How many of you are enslaved by sin? Totally. Slaves to sin. Did you know Jesus has a message for you this morning? You're free. You are free. But I... Cross out the eye and say, but he. He said that when you received him as Savior, that the flesh was rendered dead, powerless. Now, I know there's tons of theological thoughts going on right now, and we'll get there. But that is a powerful reality for any addiction you have, any situation you have, that you can't, how did you, how were you saved? Were you saved by, faith, by works or by faith? How do you think this works out? You've got to trust it. 
and then you've got to act upon it. I've got to trust it, and I've got to act, act upon it. Put any sin, put any situation in your life to where you feel like you are enslaved to it there. That our old self was crucified with him so that whatever it is may be done away with. That's powerful. Because we are no longer to be slaves to sin. Verse 7, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Let me ask you a little bit. <clears throat> I know this is kind of morbid for an Easter, but has anybody seen a dead person? Are they really enticed by much? It's a horrible picture, but that's what Paul is drawing here. It has no, this world has no effect on that body. It's not driven by those things. And this is the picture Paul is saying. Those, anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You're free from it. That is something that I want us to dwell on for a few minutes. And to reckon it so. You see, it's one thing to go to church and to do all the, and to sing the songs and all these things. But God is, that's secondary. Those are, those are symptoms of a changed life. They should be symptoms of a changed life. Do you see what I'm saying? He wants the resurrection, the power of this thing to permeate our being. And no matter what you're dealing with, no matter how hard it is, no matter how daunting it may seem, no matter how long you've been in it, whatever, Jesus has power over it. He said you're free. You can be free. And I know the doubts are in the room and the enemy wants to say, no, you can't. You can be free. He reckoned it so. He said it. So I want to have communion. At this point in my message, just cut it halfway. And just take a minute. Walk up to the table. Take the elements back to your seat. Maybe you and your family need to contemplate something. Maybe your family has sin. You guys have been living a way that just is, does not glorify God. There's been yelling and fighting in the home and all, whatever it is, you know? Patterns of stuff that goes on in all our lives and our homes. It just seems like there's no end. There's no victory. Maybe Jesus is going to set you free this morning. Maybe you'll step into the freedom that he's given you. Maybe you'll actually walk out of the jail cell that you've been standing in when it's been open the whole time. Amen? Take time with the Lord. Realize that his word is true and it's powerful than any circumstance you have. By his word, he formed the worlds. What do you think he could do with your life? Embrace it. Embrace it. So, we're going to have the music team come back up. We're going to sing a song while you go ahead and filter out, take, take the elements back to your seat. Don't feel like you have to do that. If, you, if you're not a, a believer in Jesus Christ, 
by no means, you don't need to go up there. But if you love Jesus, if, you, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, go ahead and walk up and grab it and go back, and then I'll lead us after we're done. Amen. So, verse 8. It says, Now if anyone died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. It's not just about Jesus taking away our sins. Praise God for that, amen? It's about life now, life. I feel like often I'm kind of just stuck in this, uh, oh God, forgive me, oh God, forgive me mode, you know? And it's like, I don't lay hold of those verses where it's like, I have forgiven you, let's move on. You know, done deal. And, and it's good to cleanse my heart and come to him, and we should as often as we need to. That's not the issue, but... There's life, there's power to overcome sin. Christ has said that if you've died with me, then you can die to sin. It's the same power at work. Now I want you to have life. I want you to live life. Just as you were engaged in darkness and ruled by darkness, I want you to be engaged in life and ruled by life in my light. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. What an awesome life we have to look forward to. So now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Verse 9, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he can't die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. How, how many times did Jesus die for our sins? How many times have we died for our sins. We haven't died for our sins, but how many times are we to be reckoned with Christ? How many times are you born again? Once. That was a one and done deal. That's not an over and over again thing. You died. When you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, the old man died, the new man was born in, the new woman, new spirit, new creation in Christ Jesus. Praise God. And now we need to be transformed in the newing of our mind that we're no longer in the cage. Kick that sucker open and run out and do a dance. You're free. It's awesome. And so he says in verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Now here's where it comes into play. You have to count it so. That word is reckon. You have to reckon it so. You have to put all your eggs in that basket. You have to believe it. You have to step out into it. You have to apply it. I can give you a check for a million dollars. It would bounce. But I'm just saying I could give you a check for a million dollars. You could walk around with that piece of paper all day. Not going to do very much good, is it? You've got to apply it. You've got to go cash it in. You reckon it so. You reckon that Jesus conquered your sin. This is why Paul is crying out. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? Thanks be to Jesus Christ. The application. Applying this to your life in whatever area. And by the way, what's so awesome is that as you are walking with God more and more, he's going to bring up more and more of what he actually saved you from. Is he not? Have you been walking with the Lord for a long time and find yourself more, you know, I mean, you just find out there's a whole lot of junk in that treasure chest. <laughs> and you're going, oh my gosh, what in the world did you save me from? Attitudes you never knew were there. 
motives you never knew were there, things you were doing that did not glorify God that you never even thought of when you, when you first gave your heart to the Lord. And he is sanctifying you as the Christianese word. He's slowly making you more like Jesus. So what do you do when you run into these things? You have to reckon it dead. And you have to reckon yourself alive to Christ. When you run into it, you say, help, Lord, help. And I trust that you're giving me the help and I will step out into dying to myself against this thing. It's not about the thing, it's about the heart. It's not about behavior modification. It's about you, your behavior's dead and now you have a new behavior. Then let it grow in Christ Jesus. That's what, we, that's what we need. We desperately need that. And he's given it to us. In the same way, count yourselves. Reckon it. It's an accounting term for you mouth weirdos. Reckon it that way. Reckon you're dead to sin and reckon your life to God. Therefore, if you've reckoned it, if you believe it, if you apply it, he, now he says, now there's the action part. Therefore, do not, what is that word? Do not what? Do not offer. Do not let. What does that imply? That you can allow it. That you can will it. That you can choose. That you can, it, you have a part in this. Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. That implies that Christ gave you power over it. Does it not? What are you struggling with this morning? It's, it's time. It's time to stand and it's time to rise. Not in the power of your might, in the power of your strength. You tried that before. Old man syndrome does not work. But a humble saying, the same grace that saved me is the same grace that will get me through this and strengthen me to overcome. No matter what it is. Christ is that big. He is that powerful. And he said to us today, do not let. And I feel like the reason why we struggle in our Christianity is because the enemy is hitting us all the time. We've got a world, we've got a devil, and we've got our flesh. The old man is, by the way, we say we've died to it, but it's still here, is it not? We just now have a spirit that can control it. The Holy Spirit, like Adam originally had before he fell. We have a world whose system is totally geared towards rebellion against God. There's great wonderful things that are there. You know, I mean, not everything is death and destruction, I understand, but in general, the world has rebelled against God. We have a devil and his enemy who's constantly pressuring us and who's telling us to get back in that cage. No, you aren't. And he entices us all day long with cred to where we just never experience freedom. We never sit there and go, if, if seldom, we just sit there and go, I'm going to believe this today. I'm going to walk in it. I trust you, Jesus. The same Jesus that said, demons come out, and they came out. The same Jesus that said, wind be quiet, and it was, and the waves be, be quiet, it happened. The same Jesus who spoke the world into existence is the same Jesus who said this, through the inspiration of Paul. You're free. Let's walk in it. Alive to God, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Your eyes, your ears, other parts of your body, don't offer them. That's a willful thing. 
Don't do that. And notice when you deny yourself, doesn't it feel like the crucifixion? That's the thing, because Paul says this is a daily deal. Yes, positionally, we are one and done. We're in the kingdom, but walking as a son is a daily thing. I daily, I die daily to what I want, that Christ may live. Do not let sin reign in your body. Don't that you obey it. Do not offer any part of yourselves as an instrument of wickedness. That word instrument, they really would have got that. It was an idea of something that was used for a specific reason, like a sword or a a cup and all these types of things. Don't use yourself as an instrument of wickedness. You're being used. Don't be used by the enemy. Don't be used by evil. But rather, offer willfully, choosing within your heart to offer yourself to God. Wow! That's a volition. That's dealing with your will. You can choose that. Did you know that? And that's when Paul's talking about put on the full armor of God every morning. Wake up. Put it on. Choose to clothe yourself in Christ. Choose to move forward in the things of the Lord. Put off the things of the flesh, the old way. It's, a, it's something that'll have to happen in your heart every day. And choose to put on Christ. Rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Every part of you. What are we listening to? It's not about behavior modification. It's about glorifying God, about bringing him glory. Lord, is what I'm putting in my ears, and this is speaking myself, is, is what I'm listening to, does this bring you glory? Is what this person's saying, is that, does that line up with your heart, God? I don't care what it is. You know, that's how we process life. That's how we process. Is this decision I'm making, does this glorify you? Does this wallet, does it glorify you when I open it? And when I slide the card, when I hand out the money, or lack thereof? Does it glorify you going into debt over things? Does it glorify you buying this car? Does it gl- I'm just throwing out things that I've, I've struggled with. Anyone else? And we find out when we don't live to glorify God, when we don't respond to the Holy Spirit, we become very miserable people in bondage again. We get back in the jail, and we're in the jail with all our stuff, and it's packed in. We're like, hey, you know? <laughs> it's like the Lord wants to come on out, you know? You have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And this is the kicker. For sin shall no longer be your master. You didn't know you had a master, did you? You didn't know you were born into mastery. What did Jesus say, or what did uh, God say to uh, Cain in the garden when he was upset with his brother? Why are you downcast? He says, sin lies at your door. Its desire is to master you, but you should rule over it. Its desire is to master you. How many of you have been mastered? How many of you are mastered by sin? You don't even know it. You're just obediently, yes, click, move, you know? 
Ask that the Holy Spirit will awaken you to those things you're enslaved to. Again, not behavior modification, but Lord, I want to glorify you. I don't want the enemy to have anything. I want you to be all, I want all light flowing out of this being. Lord God, help. Every day until I go to see you. For sin shall no longer be your master. Why? Because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. So that tells me that when you're under the law, sin masters you. God tells, God tells the world, this is my standard, my holy standard. Don't do this. And people try to meet that standard and they, and they don't. We all fall short. And it shows that I am a slave to sin. But see, when Jesus came in and he died and he paid that obligation, that legal obligation, flip over to second, uh, flip over real quickly to Colossians chapter two, right before the first Thessalonians. Verse 13. Colossians 2.13 says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. No longer guilty for what the law we've broken. Praise God which stood against us and condemned us. You're no longer condemned. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. It is finished. Ha! Yay! Love that. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he was messing up the heavens there. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them with, by the cross, the power of the cross in our life. It shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. What does grace mean? Undeserved merit, true. But according to what this is saying, what is, like just chapter six, grace is God's goodwill towards you that you no longer are, have to be ruled by sin. You're no longer ruled by it. God gave you the ability in Christ Jesus to be free. That is his grace, his goodness to free you in Christ Jesus. You are free this morning. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is now you are free. And you must now walk in it. Walk in it. And this is where church happens. This is where church happens. This is where small groups happen. This is where men's Bible study happens. This is where people calling each other happen saying, I'm in a cage again. I, I think I don't belong here according to scripture. I don't know how to get out. Can you help me, brother or sister? Yes. And we reach in and we grab into each other's lives and say, oh, that's, that's not, no, come on, let's go. And sometimes you get, get in the cage, grab and pull them out. And I get pulled out all the time. Freedom. How many of you need freedom in an area in your life? Raise your hand. The rest of you are free. That's really good. Let's, all of you raise your hand. Let's pray for people who didn't raise their hands. <laughs> this week, let Christ dwell in you richly. Let him draw out those things 
And let the resurrection, the power of Jesus Christ, the reality that he is risen, that your sins are gone, you are no longer under the law, you're now under grace, you now have power to operate in this world as an alien, as a sojourner, not putting our roots down here, but living through it, navigating through it, mimicking our Father in heaven while we're here on earth, being that little slice of heaven. And yes, constantly things will be brought up to where we need to go, oh God, forgive me and help me. That is our life as a Christian and God will give us the power to overcome it. I'm just looking forward to that in my life. I'm looking forward to that into your life this week. And I'm praying that this wouldn't be an outward thing, but the Holy Spirit would bring up these things within our hearts as we read his word, as we're hanging around other brothers and sisters, as we start to listen more and more to the voice of the shepherd who's calling us to him and saying, lay this down. Come to me, surrender, do this, do that, give up this, start this, and you will find life begin to flow because it flowed in Jesus. And we as a church need life. Amen? So worship team, will you come back up while we pray? Lord, I want to thank you so much for this fellowship. I want to thank you for each and every person here this morning. And As I'm praying, I can't help but ask if anybody has not received Jesus as their Savior, if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, if your heart's pulling, if you feel like, if the Lord says what's been shared is that you know that you're in bondage and you are overcome, there's freedom for you. And it's found in Jesus Christ. And if you want freedom, raise your hand and we'll pray for you. Don't be embarrassed. In Colossians, it talks about some powerful stuff, just about being free, about having the old life cut away and the new life coming forward. It feels like a rose bush that got trimmed down to nothing how scary it is. You feel like you're going to lose everything. And you will, but you will gain it back. Jesus said that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, nothing can come of it. It just remains itself. And what good is that? God's designed us to surrender to him that we would have true and abundant life. More than willing to pray with you after the service. Love to pray for you. Praise the Lord. Lord, just bless these people this week. Pour out your spirit upon them. Empower them to be little Christs all over Walla Walla, wherever they might live. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.